welcome to Tomorrow is Yesterday, the Star Trek podcast, the show where we review every episode of Star Trek in production order. My name is Brandon Couch, and with me, as always, David Moss. So, I'm going to let everybody know now, this is like the third time we have recorded this episode. Well, it's the second, but like, there were a lot of cancellations between the first and second time we've recorded this episode. Yes, but... The first time we recorded the full episode and it never made it to the air because I don't know why. Because we had some audio issues, like a lot of audio got dropped and it I, it wasn't savable. Okay, that's fair. It's fair. Maybe we need to get a new, new editor. Okay. I'm joking. It has nothing to do with the <laughs> editing. Or the uh, audiologist? Is that a word? I think that is a word, but I think it's like a doctor or something. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. I mean, new audio software would be fine. I don't think the problem is the software, though. I think it's the laptop. Yeah, yeah. What what I need is a new laptop. (laughs) Well, in a few months, I'm getting one. That doesn't help you, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, my name is David Moss, and this is our podcast. Tomorrow is yesterday. What are we talking about today, Couch? I don't know. Star Trek, I guess. Well, this episode is coming out on Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. David, what's your favorite Thanksgiving movie? Uh, Why don't you go first? Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Is that Thanksgiving or or is It is. It's Thanksgiving. It's Steve Martin and John Candy, and they're trying to get home for Thanksgiving, and it's a fantastic comedy. It is. Like, I like that movie. I love that movie. You know, actually, preparing for this podcast, you told me to listen to another podcast. No, I didn't. That they reviewed films. Oh, yeah, when we, like, first started, like, back when. Yeah. So, and I was scrolling through their whole deal, and I listened to their podcast on... Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, they're the ones who like made me realize it was a Thanksgiving movie, and like that's why I watched it. Yeah, and now I try to watch it every year for Thanksgiving, <laughs> starting last year. Uh, I'm gonna try to watch it this year. I guess I'll have to find it and try to watch it too. I think it's on Paramount Plus, which we obviously have because we have a Star Trek podcast. No, I've got my Star Trek online. Yeah, on Paramount Plus. Nope. I uh. I watched most of it in uh, in Russian. You're full of crap. <laughs> everybody and I know it. <laughs> everybody sounds like Chekhov. <laughs> so speaking of the fact that we're like actually talking about media now, the strike's over. Is it? We can talk about whatever we want now. Oh, okay. Lower decks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lower deck season four was very good. Captain Boim- Boimler. Uh. Freaking Nick Locarno came back. Yeah. And I like the the part where it's like, doesn't he kind of look like Tom Paris? I don't see it. They have the same <laughs> face. <laughs> oh, that, that was fantastic. I love it. Just lower decks. If we just have like 20 years of lower decks, <laughs> that'd just be amazing. I like how every season they do like a poster that looks like the movie posters. Like, the season four poster looked like the Voyage Home. Season three looked like the Search for Spock. Yeah, yeah. And so on. <laughs> I never even noticed that. Did you, have you noticed, on talking about Paramount Plus, have you noticed whenever you look 
at the Star Trek titles. And I'm not talking about like the 2009 whatever ones, but just like the original Next Gen. So the shows. Yeah, the shows. Okay. All of those are all, they have the captain sitting in front of their ship or their space station. Not all of them because Deep Space Nine doesn't. But Deep Space Nine. And original series doesn't. Okay, so let me rephrase. And Enterprise doesn't. It has the ships. And Enterprise does. Enterprise does have Archer in front of the Enterprise. Deep Space Nine has the space station. The original series has the Enterprise. Even Lower Decks has a shuttlecraft. Well, yeah, Lower Decks changes like every season, though. Yeah. Because that's one of the There's only one shows. that doesn't. And uh, no, there's two. It's uh, uh, Strange New Worlds and Discovery. Discovery does have the captain, though, and she's in her ship in the captain's chair. Yeah, but that's going to change once the new season comes out. Yeah. And she's standing behind the captain's chair. Or behind. Sorry. You know, it's been like two weeks since I looked at this. (laughs) (laughs) And then Strange New Worlds has that weird... Honestly, if you look at it, it kind of looks like the pride flag. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. Okay, you're right about Enterprise. But the ship's at a weird angle. It's like you're looking at the top of the ship and it's like circled around him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird angle to put the ship. Did you know the first three seasons, it was called Enterprise? It was the first two seasons, but yes, I did know that. And and then it got changed to Star Trek Enterprise? Yes. Okay. They were trying to improve ratings and not get canceled. <laughs> they still got canceled yeah. after four. <laughs> yeah. they were They were going good, though. Yeah, like season three was awesome. Yeah, season three was pretty good. I honestly, I liked the the Zindi deal. Yeah, that was season three. Like everyone who actually watched it liked that and said that's yeah. when the show got good. I think part of their problem was the fact that they were on UPN, which wasn't even a full station yet. Um, no, I think UPN was like already like dead before then. No, UPN didn't die until after they died. Mm. And that's hmm. the Voyager had the same issue. Well, Voyager like launched UPN. <laughs> I know. Eh, Voyager got it seven years. Yeah, I think right. the thing was everyone was sick of Star Trek at that point because like from Next Generation to Enterprise was like eighteen years where we had one or two Star Trek shows running. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say it now. I am not sick of Star Trek. They can keep popping them out like babies. <laughs> And I will be fine. You say that, but we're going to keep doing this podcast and you're going to get sick of podcasting about Star Trek. That's fine. I'll get sick <laughs> about, I'll be sick of podcasting about the old stuff that I've seen about a million times, <laughs> but I'm not going to get sick of watching the stories progress. Okay. Yeah. You never saw what your favorite Thanksgiving movie was. Oh, anyway. So, <laughs> I don't actually know any Thanksgiving movies. But, my favorite holiday movie is Groundhog's Day. Groundhog Day? Yes. That That is a good movie. I rewatched it like two, three days ago. I think I've only seen that movie once. And it was like just like a couple years ago. So, like it was very recent. Yeah, I finally sat down and watched it. I I like Bill Murray. He's a really good actor. Like, he it seems like he doesn't even care. 
he's just kind of like, eh, whatever. And the funny, the funniness just happens around him. Speaking of, he doesn't even care. You know, Bill Murray doesn't have an agent. There's like this, this voicemail that you can just call that voicemail. If he's interested, he'll contact you back. <laughs> it's like, you just throw your movie out into the ether and like hope Bill Murray likes it. And like, he might contact <sighs> and he might contact you about it. <sighs> so is that how they got him on Zombieland? Probably. <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, I like him. But, you know, I heard someone say someone say one time they should do a Groundhog's Day 2 and then, like, hype it up, be this new movie, and then it's just Groundhog's Day again. Like, the same movie, exactly. Like, nothing's changed. Like, <laughs> you know, they just re-released the old one. And I was thinking about that after watching it, and I was like, there's so much stuff that happens in it now that it would get cut like immediately like it wouldn't even make it past yeah like the the attempted suicide scene multiple yeah multiple like and that's the that's the easy one to digest there that's not even like yeah there's some sexist racist stuff in there it was the 80s smoking drinking might have been the 90s i don't know when groundhog day came out it was, I think it was before his, before uh, Ghostbusters. He's going to IMBDD it. Okay, it was 93. So, yes, it was after Ghostbusters and when we were born. You were born in 93? Yeah. October. Yes. Uh-huh. I thought you were like two or three years younger than me. No, we're the same age. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm older. By months. Doesn't really count. We're the same age. It We're both count. 30. It does count. We're both 30. Yeah, yeah, old man, you are. Yeah, you're the kind of guy, if you had a twin, you'd be like, I'm two minutes older. Ha ha. You're, you, if you had siblings and a twin, that's the kind of sibling you'd be. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the episode. <laughs> Wait, we're doing an episode? Yes, we're doing an episode. What are we doing it about? What Are Little Girls Made of first aired on October 20th, 1966, was written by Robert Block. Now, I don't usually get into the writer's history, but this week I feel like I have to because Robert Block was a legendary horror writer. In fact, he wrote the novel that would be adapted into one of the most iconic films of all time, Psycho. You know, can I say the title of this made me think that it was like a whole different thing happening than what than what happened in this episode yeah because like there's not really any any little girls any girls well it's like from the poem what are little girls made of sugar spice and everything nice right and and this one it's what are little girls made of robot parts but i mean there was there was one one female robot yes that, there was that didn't have like actual like role in this yeah she did i'm okay tell me this if you removed that character could you still have this episode wouldn't be as good why well for one thing like between chapel and her chapel was really suspicious because there was a beautiful woman so you'd lose that subplot right and Let's but, see, I mean, that's she like... kills Robo Kirk. Okay, but anybody can do that. 
you know what? The 60s weren't great for representation. Let's not advocate for removing women from episodes. I'm not advocating <laughs> to remove women from episodes. I'm just saying, like, this whole title is about, oh, what are they, what are they made of? And the only person that that's in this <laughs> that ha- you know that's made differently like female is not an actual important character in this episode okay alabama is not a great title but they took a title from a poem they do that a lot in, in this specific show take titles from other things like shakespeare and whatnot like next week's title it's gonna come from shakespeare i know and but i mean you would at least find a title that actually made sense a little bit like the Corbinite Maneuver. <laughs> the Corbinite Maneuver. Uh, that is a great title. It is. Or uh, the Rathacon. That is also a good title. Or, uh, let's see. I think those are like, I think I only know like three. <laughs> uh, Baylock's Playtime. No, that was the Corbinite Maneuver. I know, I just... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can... You know, he would... He came back for Strange New Worlds of the season. Did he? Yeah. Not the character, the actor. He was playing a different character. Oh, I was like, I do not remember this. Wasn't there a reference to this, and to Baylock in in Lower Decks this season? Um, or I at, think so. That does sound familiar. Yeah, actually, yes. Oh, yes, yeah, yes, we yes, saw yes. his puppet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. But it wasn't his puppet. It was an actual oh, alien. Right. <laughs> but it looked like his pup. Yeah. yeah. Because it was like twitching and moving. And... Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back into it. Yes. All right, the episode was directed by James Goldstone, who we last saw behind the camera directing the pilot where no man has gone before. Then we got the cast. We got Michael Strong as Dr. Roger Corby, Sherry Jackson as Andrea, Ted Cassidy as Rook, who we last heard in the Corbinite Maneuver as the voice of Baylock's puppet. At least he didn't play Bailey. He didn't play Bailey. That's always a good thing. And David, I don't know if you remember this from the first time, but you said that he played Lurch in the Addams Family, and you wanted everyone to know that you knew that, and I didn't. Doo-doo. Doo-doo. That's Pink Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I knew that. But up 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 There we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. That that was like six weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right, we have Harry Bash as Dr. Brown. We have Vince Diedrich as Crewman Matthews, who we saw in the last episode, Balance of Terror, as one of the Romulan crewmen. We have Bud Albright as Crewman Rayburn, who we saw in The Man Trap as Barnhart, that hazard vest guy who died. The red shirt that died. He was not wearing a red shirt. So no, he was not a red shirt who died. Oh, I remember now. I need the red shirt death count. No, that, you're grounded this week. That I noticed that you removed stuff from. The only reason I did that is because we lost the audio from that episode. <laughs> so we're re-recording the episode. Because I had the uh, couch was wrong count. Okay, that's not what that was. What was it? That I was the couch quits count. Oh, couch quits count. <laughs> But yeah, no, you don't you don't get it this week. I think I should. You you not last time we did it, you kept adding 
red shirts that weren't there, so you don't get it this week. If you're good this week, then maybe next time red shirts die, you can have it. I mean, I'm still going to add the utility vest or whatever guy. Was he wearing a red shirt? He was a red shirt. No, he wasn't. He was just because he wasn't wearing wearing the red shirt at the time yes that's the whole point the whole point is to see like because red shirts dying in star trek is a joke like the whole point of the count is to see is this actually true like we're counting all of the shirts who die let's see who actually dies them let's see if the joke red shirts always die is accurate like that's the whole point so if they're not wearing a red shirt they don't get added to the board. So, like, I'm still counting them in the main count with all the other shirts. So when we get to the movies, and the uniforms are are red, like all of them, anybody that dies, are you just going to count them? Like when Spock dies? No. Are you going to count him as a red shirt? Also, I don't know if we're going to keep doing the red shirt death count after the original series end. I might just in my notes, but like I don't know if we're going to keep... Doing the count mainly. Well, yeah, because it it the colors switch. Yeah. Although in first contact, there's a red shirt who dies. <laughs> Maybe we'll do yellow shirt death count. <laughs> when we get to next generation, one thing I want to do is like, what is O'Brien's rank? Because it is very changes all the time in next generation. It's Master Chief. Okay, well, once we get to Deep Space Nine, they, like, establish, like, they establish, like, yes, this is his rank, but you know what? Throughout the next generation, they're always, like, he always has a different number of pips. They're always calling him different things, like, in one episode, he's Lieutenant, in one episode, he's something else. Like, they're not consistent in Next Generation so with he, O'Brien. He, uh, he's, like, the, uh, Tom Paris and, uh, what's his face? The villain for Lower Deck this season. Uh, Nick Locarno? Nick Locarno. Oh, he was like Nick Locarno and Tom Paris. How they're the same actor, but they're different characters. And he just happens to be a transporter chief <laughs> who's the same actor on the same ship. Just different characters. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like one day he's. You're just saying there's a bunch of O'Briens running around. <laughs> one, but day... they're all named O'Brien. No, one that doesn't. Tra- yeah, yeah, yeah. There, he's a clone. <laughs> they're thinking about doing clones. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's get into the actual episode. Finally. All right. The Enterprise is approaching a planet. Kirk tells Nurse Chapel they're entering orbit. Chapel says. I know he's alive down there, Captain. So clearly whoever is down there is someone Chapel cares for. Kirk points out that it's been five years since anybody's heard from him. Ahura starts messaging the surface on all frequencies. Spock tells us about the planet, says the atmosphere is safe for humans. Kirk points out that the temperature is negative 100. Then Spock tells us about the good doctor. Quote, Dr. Corby, often called the pastor of archaeological medicine, his translation of medical records from the Orion ruins revolutionized our immunization techniques, which is apparently required reading at the academy. Kirk always wanted to meet him, asked if there's a chance he's alive, and Spock just goes silent and turns off the monitor with Corby's face on it. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably because Spock's in love with Chapel. No, he's not. 
He is. He's not. He is. And we're going to have this discussion every single time because <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, Strange New Worlds didn't happen already. And I'm going to say, it hasn't. That show hasn't been made yet. <laughs> and I'm going to say, then you can't reference anything past the last eight, nine episodes. Do I? Yes. All the time. Usually to make a joke or like if something reminds me of something, but like I don't say like, this is canon and this should affect this show because it shouldn't. This show came it, first. It It is canon and it should affect this show. No, that's like say that's like watching Empire Strikes Back and when Obi-Wan says, Yoda trained me being like, no, we didn't. Qui-Gon did. That didn't happen yet. That movie wasn't made yet. But I mean, honestly... That does kind of make sense because Yoda did train him a little bit because Yoda does have training, like, did train the younglings. Yes, I know. So, I mean, Yoda did train him. Yes, I know. I know why they put that scene in to make that make sense. So, I mean, they're good at connecting their canon. Star Trek's a little fuzzy sometimes on connecting their canon together. Not really. Stuff like this. Like nobody, like everybody's making them fall in love on Strange New Worlds, but then not watching the original series where nobody cares about it. But and actually, wasn't it like two episodes ago that Spock and Chapel were like all lovey dovey? Well, they weren't real lovey dovey. Like Chapel was all lovey dovey towards him, and he was just fighting to keep his emotions under control. So he does. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that like Strange New Worlds doesn't do a good job of connecting the show. It does. Like in Strange New Worlds, Spock is younger. He's like experimenting with emotions more. In this, he's like keeping his emotions in check. He is, but it has shown that even in. The last however many episodes that we can refer back to, it has shown that he does have emotions for her. No, it doesn't. He wasn't showing any emotions for her in that episode. Not this specific episode, but like... in that episode you're referencing right now. Yeah. No, it didn't. I'm pretty sure it did. She was showing emotions for him, and he was like freaking out because she gave him... The disease and his emotions started going out of whack, and he was fighting to keep them under control. They were. He, she didn't show any. He didn't show anything towards her. He got out of there like as soon as he could. But still, okay. Intent there, matters. The intent of the makers of this episode was not that Spock loves Chapel. Uh, Spock. There's a could. reason we're doing this in production order, so that so that when we get to Stranger Worlds. Then we'll talk about that stuff. Spock could but in, be... But the intent of this episode was not what you're saying it is. Spock could be feeling regret for her. Like, not for him, like, saying, like, that she likes him. That's obvious. And You're then, projecting, like... Yeah, I'm projecting. Okay, Next Generation wasn't I, made like that. It was very episodic. Like, there this wasn't this continuing story. Uh, or, sorry, original <laughs> series wasn't made like that. It was episodic. There weren't continuing storylines. Well, that's stupid. Well, yeah, today we make all of our, all of our shows serialized to where, like, it's a continuing story arc. Back then it wasn't like that because 
They didn't have streaming. They didn't even have reruns back then. Can, they just watched an episode if it was on. <laughs> can we talk about how stupid it is that they make you wait again to watch episodes? Like, you know how there for a while they would just drop a new series? Okay, well, that's Netflix ways of doing that. And actually, if you pay attention to the entertainment industry right now, the Netflix model of dropping your whole series at once doesn't work. <laughs> Like, it's the anticipation and talking about it throughout weeks that, like, keeps your show going. It works for me. Yeah, sure, it works for you. But, like, I'm talking about, in the grand scheme of things, like, having a successful show. A what? A what? A successful show (laughs) that keeps going and keeps people attention. Like, the week-to-week is, like, what's been working. Like... The whole dropping it all at once doesn't work anymore. Well, it makes makes. And me you know mad. what's going to be really difficult for you and me specifically? What? They're going to drop Prodigy all at once. We're going to be reviewing those episodes for the Patreon. Well, you know, it's not going to be difficult for me because I'm going to watch them all at once. <laughs> and then I'm going to be spoiling half of it when we're doing first episode. Yeah, like... Doing all those episodes at once would be really difficult. We might have to do those like, I don't know, like we do an episode a week. <laughs> Maybe. Depends on what Paramount's doing at the time. Because like if like if they if they drop Prodigy while a Paramount show is going on, I don't know what we're gonna do. I guess we'll just have to uh, figure, figure out a out. way to to do uh, long distance recording and then okay that's not the problem and then edit i don't know in our sleep or in your sleep or david wants to make the show worse worse what do you mean if we if we started doing it like over skype or zoom or something this show would get worse why like i can't even get you to pay attention half the time when we're in the same room If you're in your room, you're just going to be staring at pop figures all day, not listening to a word I'm saying. I'm going to be listening. And we already have problems talking over each other. If we're in different yeah. rooms and we're online tr- and trying to talk at the same time, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> eh, it'll be fine. Okay. Anyways, where was I? Oh, yeah. Spock turned off the screen with Corby's face on it. Uh, her isn't, isn't getting any response. Kirk tells her to keep trying. Chapel tells Kirk that Corby's last message was about underground caverns. Kirk notes that since then, two different search parties have tried and failed to find him. Her is about to say she's got nothing when her instruments start beeping and we hear Dr. Corby's voice over the comms contacting the Enterprise. And that is our teaser. Hello, Enterprise. This is Dr. Corby. How do you hear me? Enterprise. Enterprise. <laughs> That's about what he says. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Act one starts with a captain's log. We don't learn anything new. I don't think I've mentioned that the planet's name is XO3. On the bridge, Kirk is talking. What? A different planet? It's not Ryza 12 or. Okay, we haven't the... seen any Ryzas. Oh, uh, Ryza's not till next N- generation. Nigel 15. Right. Rigel, whatever. <laughs> uh, Soul 4. No, but it is just another planet with a number. Yeah. XO3. And Soul 4 would be Mars. I know. I was just, <laughs> I was just throwing out numbers and names. 
On the bridge, Kirk is talking to Corby. We have your coordinates. We'll beam down a landing party. Corby cuts him off before he can mention Chapel. Corby's like, this is weird, but can you beam down by yourself? I promise there's nothing suspicious going on. <laughs> a plot twist. Or no, what is it? Foreshadowing. <laughs> Spock's like, that's weird, and asks Chapel if she's sure that's him. Foreshadowing should be a t-shirt. We should. I'll work on that. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, Spock's like, that's weird, and asks Chapel if she's sure that's him. The woman who's about to be fooled by a robot says, have you ever been engaged, Mr. Spock? Kirk says it's cool, Doc, but we're beaming down too, and Christine talks to Roger. He's just as emotional as you or I would be if we got a call from our wives after being stranded on an island for five years. I'm just saying, like, we know he's a robot. You and I do, but, like, he's showing emotions. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, what they're probably taking it as is he's like, why don't you come down by yourself for a while? <laughs> That's not and, at all what he says. <laughs> and we'll have uh, relations together. That is then, not at all what he says. That's what Like, you and I would probably say that to our wives if we were stranded on an island, but <laughs> that's not what he says. Uh, Kirk and Chapel head to the turbo lift. There's a nice moment between her and Chapel where they hug, and that moment I buy from their Strange New Worlds relationship. In that way, it makes sense. Are you happy? I reference something else. Yes, I am happy. Okay, Kirk and Chapel beam down to the cave's entrance, but there's nobody there. Kirk, showing an incredible lack of patience, has Spock beam down two security guys. They beam down. Kirk orders Rayburn to stay there and Matthews to come with them to find Dr. Corby. Chapel stumbles and kicks her off off a ledge that I'm sure no people will fall down. <laughs> I'm sure everyone will be fine by the end of this episode. Shadowing the four. <laughs> They see the silhouette of a man standing in front of a really big light. Kirk pulls his phaser. The guy turns off the light and Chapel says, oh, that's Doc Brown. She doesn't actually say that, but I just had to. That's not Doc Brown. Well, his name is Dr. Brown. <laughs> Where's Marty at? <laughs> this is not a time travel episode. Uh, we'll get there. I mean, they are they are three days ahead. <laughs> We'll get to time travel. We hear a scream in the distance that lasts a very long time. Ah! 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 That is about what it sounds like. Uh. I'm going to leave that in. I'm going to put that in right after the Wilhelm scream. Okay. <laughs> They run over to where Matthews fell out. Kirk asks if there is a way down there or a ledge he could have caught, anything. And Brown's like, nope, he's definitely dead. He's uh, dead, Jim. <laughs> we, the audience, see this really big, bald, alien-looking dude sneaking away. <laughs> uh, Kirk calls Rayburn, tells him about Matthews, and orders him to report in every hour. He also tells Rayburn to tell Spock to have a full security team ready to send them down if they don't hear from the landing party. As Kirk is saying all this, we see the big bald dude sneaking up on Rayburn, and as soon as Kirk ends the call, Rayburn's dead. You know, whenever I saw the big bald dude, I was like, did we just have an Adams Family crossover event? He doesn't look like Lurch, though. He does. He doesn't. Like, I automatically assumed... Like, Lurch is just a tall guy with hair. I automatically assumed that he was Lurch. Well, yeah, the actor, sure. Like, I mean, I just... I was like, that's Lurch. And then I Googled it, and I was like, yeah, I knew he was. <laughs> Anyways. 
Brown is leading Kirk and Chapel through the caverns, going on about Corby's discovery. When the sun died, the planet's inhabitants went underground. When they lost freedom, they built a mechanical culture. Once we leave, Dr. Corby will revolutionize the universe. Lost freedom? Well, yeah, like, they couldn't, like, move around on the surface. Oh. They had to, like, go underground, and we're just, like, kind of stuck there. Okay. Brown leads them to what appears to be where they've been living. And in walks Andrea, who Chapel is immediately jealous of, as if she wasn't about to jump Spock's bones three episodes ago. <laughs> then Corby appears, he starts to address the captain, but gets distracted by Christine, and they start making out. And when I was watching <laughs> When I was watching this, my wife, my wife was like, why are they just staring at them? Because <laughs> Kirk and Brown are kind of just staring at them making out. Uh, that is creepy. Kirk and Corby start talking. Brown interjects, telling Corby about the dead red shirt. Corby gives his apologies. So, you lost the red shirt deal. What? Because you haven't marked it. Okay, yeah, I haven't got the board out and marked it. I'll mark it at the end because I have the count in the, my notes. At the end of my notes, I have all the numbers. Well, we want a detailed report on how many red shirts have died. I have it in my notes at the end of the episode. You know I have this. Okay. <laughs> I like how you have notes and I'm just free balling it. Yeah. <laughs> it's how it's been the whole time. Yeah. I mean, would you expect it any other way? Not really. And that one time you did take notes, like all your notes I already had. <laughs> <sighs> my notes, no, honestly, my notes were stupid. Like Your notes weren't stupid. You had fun facts. You didn't read all of them. <laughs> like, like the chairs float. That is really cool. We should get some of those. They they haven't had floating chairs in any of these episodes. It was a Strange in a Worlds episode that I oh, did the, the notes on. I don't even do notes for that. Yeah, and it was... Uh, those episodes are just pure freeballing. And then I was like... And there was one is like... They don't have oxygen on that planet, so all their all their plants are in little little tubes. And <laughs> <laughs> what episode was that? That was uh, like the second episode, second or third, when uh, number one is on trial. Okay, yeah, sep- second episode. Some Latin word for ad astra per aspera. Yeah, that's not what it's for. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Where when, was I? When I was taking the notes at home, my wife's like, you're taking notes on Star Trek? I'm like, Couch wanted me to. First off, no, I didn't. <laughs> Secondly, I'm pretty sure you didn't take notes for that episode because you hated that episode. That's why I stopped taking notes because I hated that Even though episode. it was a great episode. It's a terrible episode. It's a great episode. Terrible. <laughs> That's a great episode that's relevant to our society today. No. Yes. I don't know. I didn't pay attention. I don't pay attention to society. <laughs> I'm paying attention to how I can make my arm perfectly straight. Kirk then tries to call <laughs> Rayburn. When he doesn't answer, he says he has to call the Enterprise. Brown pulls one of those old-style phasers on him. Corby has Andrea take Kirk's phaser. He grabs her and uses her as a shield. Rolls across the floor, shoots Brown. The big dude comes in, picks Kirk up about as easy as I pick up my one-year-old. That's pretty hard. Not really. If she's mad. <laughs> she is getting harder to pick up. Well, wait till she's six. 
Chep sees Brown and screams, Kirk sees Brown, and we zoom in on Brown's wound full of circuits and wiring. And that is the end of Act 1. Act 2 starts on the bridge. We hear Kirk's voice over comms, hailing the Enterprise. Spock says they were worried since Kirk didn't call in sooner and they hadn't heard from the red shirts. We cut to what appears to be Corby's bedroom and see that it's actually Ruck, that big bald dude, talking with Kirk's voice. Lurch. (laughs) Yes, Lurch. Spock asks if Kirk's okay because he sounds weird. Ruck says, it's all cool. Kirk out. (laughs) What if they actually talked like that? (laughs) Kirk out. (laughs) Well, no, they actually say that. I'm talking about the it's all cool. Oh, yeah. Corby tries to reason with Kirk, I'm not the bad guy, you know my reputation. And Kirk's like, yeah, that's why none of this makes sense. And Corby's like, watch this. So Ruck talks with Andrea's voice, then he talks with Corby's voice, then he talks with Christine's voice, and Corby doesn't like that. He tells Ruck never to mock her again, never hurt her, and Kirk adds in, and follow her orders. And Corby says, okay, throw that in too. Kirk planning ahead. Corby then asks Kirk for one day to convince him he's not crazy. Kirk asks him if he needs to be a prisoner to be convinced. Corby says he's holding him because the moment he returns to the Enterprise, he'll have to make a report. And too many discoveries have been lost because of ignorance and fear. Kirk then changes the topic. Where's my red shirt? Corby deflects. Ruck is programmed to protect me. His logical computer mind thought I was in danger. Where's my red shirt? Well, Ruck killed both red shirts. But I didn't want him to, I promise. Kirk asks... So he's like Brown. Ruck's like, nah, I'm way cooler than Brown. The old ones built me. Kirk says, you've convinced me, doctor. You've convinced me that you're dangerous. (laughs) He throws a chair, tries to run out the door. Ruck lifts him and throws him across the room like a rag doll. We cut to chapel. Andrea walks in and asks, why aren't you happy? You found Roger. Right now, chapel's concerned about the captain, though. Then Andrea asks why she doesn't like it when she calls him Roger. Which I think is valid. I think that if two people were stranded together for five years, they'd eventually drop the formalities and just call each other by their names. Hmm. Corby, Kirk, and Ruck come in, and Corby says, It's enough that it makes her uncomfortable. Call me Dr. Corby. And I actually think that's a win for Corby here. He did good there. Right. Then Corby pivots. Kirk's fine, see? Now I'll explain everything, starting with Andrea's a robot. Which the show tries to play off as a twist, but it was so blatantly obvious... Uh, not an android, but a robot. A robot. Actually, I do think they're androids. But uh, never mind. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they say android. And never mind. I'll. I would say something. But okay, what were you gonna say? But because I think I might. I might. I might have a defense for this. It'll start. Go ahead. It'll start the fight. Go ahead and talk about data. Go ahead. Do it about uh. So Picard. Oh, Picard. It mentions that. Everybody, like, all the androids have to have Data's genes or whatever. Or his... Something, like, there's no androids that can't be without Data. Mm, Picard might just be talking about Zoom-type androids. Yeah, probably, because then you think about it. This is why I hate Picard. Like, I hate it because stuff like this. I hate the first two seasons. Well, this is season one. I'll be honest. Okay, so yes, I... This is a hateable Picard. Because they say, oh, you, it has to be, like, Data's the one that has to come from. But then they're saving the universe from a bunch of killer androids. Like, that's the ending, is like, you remember the killer androids are trying to come? and 
thought the Romulans were like coming to try to kill all the androids. I don't think there were killer androids. Well, they were trying to come to kill the androids, but the androids were sending a signal to killer androids to come and kill everybody. I don't remember that part. Yeah. So anyway, I'm thinking that those androids, not the Data's gene pool androids, the the killer androids were the ones from this. The old, like, not the old makers, but, like, the androids that were made on the little machine and everything. Hmm. I don't know, because they kill all the androids by the end of this episode. There's no reason to make anyone on the machine. They kill Lurch and Evil Kirk and What's-Her-Face and the Doctor, the four that are in this one. Yeah, there's no other androids. But Lurch wasn't the only android that they made. Like He was the last one left. All the other ones were dead. But does he say they're dead? Yes, or... he says he's the last one left. He says he's the last one left, which could mean they left him behind. Well, no, he said the old ones like turned off all the other androids, or uh, they turned off the androids. Then we revolted and killed the old ones, and he was the last one left. So he never actually says they died. I don't know. Yeah. Sure, your fan theory might work. I, it, it isn't a fan theory. It's it is. Canon. You are a fan. It's canon. And you have a theory. <laughs> it's canon. Fan theory. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is canon. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know where I was going. Like I just kind of started drifting off. And, and I was talking. And I was like, I'm just going to go this direction. and Because I started on one part or like going one direction and i went completely different direction all right uh corby points out how good of a robot it is from the skig pigmentation to the poles chapel immediately accuses corby of making a sex robot which i feel is uncalled for you have no actual evidence of that <laughs> other than the fact that it's a beautiful woman have so i found a new show <laughs> called uh upload there's three seasons on amazon and they get uploaded into like a computer server instead of like dying you upload and you live forever well this millionaire there was an episode of black mirror like that yeah this millionaire he or not millionaire he's like multi-billionaire or something like that he has a a companion and the ai that's taking care of everybody he's like and would your your sex robot need anything? Because his companions programmed to be his. Yeah. Yeah, you and my wife both agree that Andre is definitely a sex robot. I disagree. <laughs> she is. I I disagree. Mm. Corby's a robot. Why would he need sex? But <laughs> he probably. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Something just just crossed my mind. Can you turn, can they turn robots into stuff without a model? Maybe. Like Kirk was the model for Evil Kirk. Yeah. And Corby was the model for Corby. Yes. Where's the model for the, for the sex robot? Either one, two things happened. Either they didn't have a model and they just built it from scratch. Or there was like an intern or something on the expedition with them. And that was the model. 
But uh, what? Oh, there's so many, so many questions there. But the question there is: Chapel said he never mentioned an Andrea, which would which would think that there wasn't a model and they built that robot from scratch. Still, a few questions on it's, that. Yes, it's. I'll admit, there's a plot hole there. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Ryan had the same question when we watched this. Without that plot hole. Um, talking about it. So, Corby probably made her first before he made himself. And so, she would have serviced his needs when he was actually human. I don't know about that. I think Corby made himself first. Because, like, he, like, lost his legs and he was, like, dying because of, like, the cold or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah. So I think he probably made himself first, then Brown. I don't know, dude. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. I do know there's, like, a, one of those, like, non-canon novels that, like, says that Andrea was a person on the expedition. Uh. But, yeah. Corby denies the whole sex robot thing and says that she's just a computer. There's no feelings, no emotions. She's just programmed to follow orders. What kind of orders, Corby? Uh. What are you ordering her to do? <laughs> uh, we all know maybe she is a sex robot she is you guys have turned me <laughs> she is <laughs> uh he orders her to kiss kirk then slap him to demonstrate kirk then asks if these things don't feel and only do as you program then why did brown try to shoot me and why did ruck kill the red shirts <laughs> corby says he'll answer all of the questions we cut to ruck loading what looks like a greenish human-shaped clay thing onto a circular table. Corby walks in with Chapel and says, this is how you make androids. See, they do call them androids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrea h hits a button, the table rotates, and we see Kirk strapped into the other side, and that is the end of Act 2. How many acts are there? Five? Four. Four, Four. and a teaser. Four and a teaser. Alright. The table starts to rotate, spinning faster and faster. Chapel pleads with Corby, Roger, what's happened to you? Well, when I sat in your class, why, you wouldn't even dream of harming an insect or an animal. Life was sacred to you then. Can we talk about how weird it is Christine was Corby's student before they got together? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty weird. I will admit, though, that Strange New Worlds fixes this. Because, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember, but at the, towards the end of Season 2, they were setting up Christine leaving the Enterprise to work with Corby. Really? Like, they directly reference Corby. Like, that's where she, that's why she's leaving the ship at the end. Okay. That's why she breaks up with Spock and Song. Oh, okay. So, like, she is fully an adult as a student of his. Huh. But still, the power dynamic is still weird there. Yeah. But yeah, they do kind of fix that. They made it make sense. Okay. You know she becomes a doctor? Do what? She becomes a doctor? Yeah, in the movies. Yeah. That was it. You know, in the pilot, Spock refers to his doctor, and I was like, wait a second. She's not supposed to be a doctor yet. <sighs> and I think they fixed that later because they call her nurse. <laughs> you know, Spock is probably a doctor. No. He could be. He's, he could be. He could easily become a doctor, but he's not. <laughs> Corby says that if he just beamed up with the androids, they'd have thought he was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, you... You are crazy. Yeah. Ruck flips a switch and the greenish looking things on the table starts to look exactly like Kirk. The machine stops and Corby asks Chapel to pick which one is the captain and she says, I don't know. They're exact. I honestly don't know. 
And the show plays this like it's a big deal. It's not like this is Spock, McCoy, or even Rand. Like, Chapel's not exactly a character who knows Kirk particularly well. I don't even think they've had any screen time together until this episode. I'm just saying. Probably. Corby says that they've been perfectly duplicated Kirk's physical functions, and now they're going to duplicate his mental patterns. Kirk hears this and starts repeating himself. Mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear? The process is complete, Kirk seems to be fine, the table spins around, and we meet Robo-Kirk. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Cut to the dining room, Andrea is placing food on the table, Chapel walks in and sits down to eat, Kirk walks in and sits down to eat as well. Kirk sympathizes with Chapel, uh, being torn between a loved one and a commanding officer, Chapel says. She's not torn, she's just confused. Kirk asks if she has any information, she says, nothing he doesn't already know. Kirk suggests that he's gone crazy. Uh, Chapel says, No, I know him so well. That's definitely Roger Corby. He's as sane as you or I. Is that your expert medical opinion, nurse? Because it's not a good one. <laughs> then Kirk asks what she'd do if he gave her an order to betray him. And she says, I'd rather die than be put in that position. She pushes her plate away, says he can go ahead and eat. And he says, Androids don't eat, Miss Chapel. It was Robo Kirk the whole time. I keep thinking Robuck, Robocop. <laughs> it was Robocop the whole time. <laughs> yeah, Robocop is actually in one of the movies. Is he? The actor. Oh, why do you keep doing that to me? <laughs> you know, uh, Lurch was in an episode of Star Trek. Counted just his voice then, too. You know, uh, <laughs> what? what's the uh, What's the hand called? Uh, Thing? Thing? Yeah. You know, he was in an episode. <laughs> he even wore a costume and everything. <laughs> I he, think you're full of crap. He was a plant. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Oh, I'm going to give my wife credit on this one. When she watched this episode, she picked up that it was the android like really early into the scene. <laughs> was kind of impressed. I mean, I think everybody did. You didn't, did you? Okay, I did, because I've seen the dang episode. At the end of it, you're still like, wait, <laughs> he was the android? <laughs> Alright, Kirk, Corby, and Ruck enter the room now. Kirk sits down next to Kirk, and the two have a conversation about food. Kirk views food as a weakness. Real Kirk sees it as a pleasure. Kirk then decides to test the robot's memories. He asks about Sam. Uh, Robokirk tells us that George Samuel Kirk is his brother, but only Kirk calls him Sam. I've got a bone to pick with the Stranger Worlds writers now. Oh, Because everyone know. calls him Sam. I feel like nobody watched this episode. <laughs> Probably. Cause... Actually, well, that's not true, because season two directly references this episode, like, on a few occasions. <laughs> but yeah, everyone calls him Sam. It's not just Kirk. Hmm. We also learn that Sam has a wife and three sons. Kirk tries to trip the robot up with some false information, but Robo Kirk catches it and corrects him. Corby then goes on about how he could have transferred Kirk's consciousness and soul into the android, that he can give people immortality. Corby could totally hang with the Soongs. <laughs> yeah. Which one? There's about 12 of them. The, the people ones. The ones there, that aren't androids. There's about 12 of them. Okay, there's the guy who invented Data. There's his wife. She's an android. There's the one from Enterprise, but I'm not talking about that one because he was into genetics. 
There's the uh, guy on Picard. Yeah, there's the one who was in the 2020s, who was also in the genetics, so not that guy. There's the uh, guy who was... There's Stugan's son who shouldn't exist because I'm pretty sure in the next generation we learned that they couldn't have kids. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's like a whole line of them. Like, you, you meet... Okay, I'm mainly talking about the one who invented Data. You meet a new <laughs> one every other day. Yeah, eventually they just made him Data again, and I was like, good. I think, Stop making new songs. I think uh, Brent Spiner was needing a paycheck or something. Yes. That is, yes. <laughs> He's like, I only want to do Star Trek. Well, no, that's probably just all the work he can get. Hey, he was in an episode of Frasier. He like was in an episode seconds. of Frasier. Yeah, he actually worked with Kelsey Grammer before he got Frasier, like, on a stage play. I think he actually wore his data data makeup a little bit, too, on Frasier. No. Because he was still pale. Brent Spiner's just pale. And they even made a joke about how him being pale. You know, Patrick Stewart was also on Frasier. Yeah, he was gay, too, on it. Yes. Have you seen the new episodes? No, I haven't. Uh, Kirk has this really good line. Programming. Different word. But the same old promises made by Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, Hitler, Ferris, Maltuvas. This isn't the last time this will happen, but I like that when Kirk throws out like a list of historical significance. They always start with real history, then throw in a, a couple more like Star Trek history. Like in this case, it's Ferris and Maltuvas. Yeah. That's always fun. Corby goes on saying he can program humans not to have jealousy, greed, or hate. Kirk points out that, that he'd also be getting rid of love, tenderness, and sentiment. Corby says no one would ever die. There would be no disease and no deformities. He just needs Kirk's help. <laughs> Kirk starts trying to remove the rope that's holding his chair together and points out that earlier Corby just wanted his understanding. Now he wants his help. Corby wants Kirk to take him to a colony where he can secretly start making his androids. He doesn't want mass hysteria to ruin his plans. He keeps mentioning that of people being afraid and mass hysteria. It reminds me of that one line from Men in Black. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. I mean, honestly, that is true. That That is true. I mean, if anything, our, our politics have shown that. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Men in Black's a great movie. It is. It is a very good movie. All right. Kirk asks why they need him when they have Robo Kirk. Corby says he just made him to impress Kirk. He's not trying to replace him. Sure. <laughs> Kirk's impressed, but not in a good way. Kirk jumps up from his chair, wraps the rope around Corby's neck. Kirk gets out the door and starts running through the caves. Corby orders Ruck to go after him. Chapel runs after Ruck, trying to order him to stop. Which I'm going to point out, she wasn't in the scene where Corby programmed Ruck to follow Christine's orders. So how does she know about that? <laughs> Kirk hides around a corner. Uh, Ruck's not far behind. Kirk sees a rock sticking out of the ceiling. He breaks it off and he, so he can use it as a weapon. And that rock looks just like a penis. Yes, I was going <laughs> to say that. Like when he grabbed it, I was like, what is he going to do with that? <laughs> Anyway, Ruck starts yelling for Kirk using Christine's voice. Kirk answers, so now Ruck knows where Kirk is. He rounds the corner. Kirk tries to hit him with the penis rock. It doesn't work. Ruck knocks Kirk over a ledge. Kirk's holding on for dear life with Ruck looking down at him. And that is the end of Act 3. I couldn't come up with a sound effect. I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? 
All right, Act 4 picks up right where Act 3 left off. Ruck is looking down at Kirk hanging on about to fall off the cliff when all of a sudden Ruck reaches down and pulls Kirk up, saving his life. Meanwhile, on the Enterprise, Spock sees Kirk just casually walking through the hallway, so he follows him to his quarters like, What's up, Captain? You're early. Well, I have to go over the ship's scheduled destination with Corby. So you're taking the command packet with you? And that's when Robo Kirk blurts out, Mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear? So now Spock knows something's up. Robo Kirk just acts like everything's normal, then stops and says, You look upset. Is everything okay up here? As if he didn't just make a wildly racist comment. Robokirk leaves and we get a shot of him walking through the halls that's definitely reused footage from the Corbinite maneuver. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah. Spock still in Kirk's quarters, calls security and tells him to have a team meet him at the transporter after Kirk beams down. In Corby's office, he and Robokirk are having a conversation. Robokirk recommends Midos 4 for their experiments. There's also this moment where Robokirk says that he felt quite at home on the Enterprise, which is very Kirk-like of him. <laughs> Kirk's being held in a room. Andrea brings him a tray of food. He tells her to kiss him. She does, and she's about to slap him, but he catches her hand. She says, no, I'm not programmed for him. And he forces himself on her. My issue isn't with Kirk in this scene seducing a robot. It's an odd way to thwart a madman's plans, but gotta do what you gotta do. I guess my issue is with whoever wrote this scene, because it's just very uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Andrea runs out, and where Kirk tries to follow, Ruck pops in and throws him across the room. Kirk accuses him of having emotions. He doesn't like Chapel's order to save him. Ruck says, To maintain your existence would be illogical. How very Vulcan of you, Mr. Ruck. <laughs> then Kirk starts asking him about the old ones. Ruck's having trouble remembering it was so long ago. Kirk keeps going. Did they build you too well? Gave the androids pride and survival instincts. Logical creatures hating the emotional logical beings that built them. Uh, Ruck's starting to remember. Yes, the old ones. They made us. They began to fear us. They started turning us off. Kirk tries to convince Ruck that Corby is just like the old ones. Ruck faces the same dangers. Ruck's finding the information in his memory banks. It became necessary to destroy the old ones. You are inconsistent. You cannot be programmed. You are inferior. Kirk's still just trying to aim Ruck at Corby. Ruck says to Kirk, You came from the outside. You bring disorder here. And Kirk's like, No, nah, it was Corby. Uh, Ruck says, I can't hurt Corby. He programmed me. Then Kirk points out that the old ones programmed him too, which gives Kirk this eureka moment. That was the equation. <laughs> Existence! Survival must cancel out programming. That's it! Rock! Logic! You can't protect someone who's trying to destroy you! Corby walks in at that moment. Ruck starts to attack Corby. Uh, you brought the humans here. This was all your fault. So Corby pulls out his phaser and vaporizes him. Corby walks Kirk and Chapel at phaser point to the dining room. Kirk asks him, what am I supposed to tell Earth about Dr. Corby? Because you're definitely not the guy who values life anymore. Uh, Kirk takes a shot at Corby. They struggle for a second. Uh, but Corby wins. Chapel screams. We see Corby's hand with skin scraped off. And guess what? He's a robot. Oh, no. I'll also give my wife points. She caught on to Corby being a robot very early in the episode. I mean, I caught on to it as soon as okay, I figured you've out. You've seen the episode before, I though, David. I saw it before... Like, I don't remember this episode from past. 
I'll be honest, this is probably where my attention kind of got lost when watching these episodes. The next few minutes are him trying to convince Christine that he's still Roger. Turns out he was freezing to this. His legs got the old Anakin Skywalker treatment, so he transferred his consciousness to a robot. An alarm goes off, so Corby calls Andre and tells her to pick up a phaser and deal with it. Kirk's like, alright, Spock got my message. Cut to Andrea. She picks up one of those old style phasers. She runs into Robo Kirk. She says she'll kiss him. He says, no, that's illogical. Clearly, Corby didn't get do a very good job of copying Kirk's personality. No comment. No comment. Then Andrea vaporizes him. Meanwhile, Corby's still trying to say he's the real Corby. Andrea walks in saying, Kirk escaped, so I killed him. <laughs> When she sees Kirk, she points out she's not programmed for alarms. She followed his instructions exactly. It's not her fault. Kirk points out to Corby that he killed Ruck. She killed Robo-Kirk. Is this your perfect society? This is exactly what you used to hate about humanity. Corby says, I'm not a computer. Test me. Ask me to solve any... Equate... Christine, Christine, let me prove myself. Does this make such a difference? <laughs> then Christine says to Corby that everything he's done proves that you're not Roger. Then he shouts, I am Roger Corby. <laughs> Kirk says to prove it. Give me the phaser. No, you'll never understand. I constructed a perfect being. Tested it. Proved it. Proved it. <laughs> Proved it. At that point, Corby realizes he's lost it and hands Kirk the phaser. Kirk asked Andrea for her phaser. She's like, no, I gotta protect Corby. I love Corby. I want to kiss Corby. Corby says, you can't love. You're a robot. She kisses him. He pulls the trigger on the phaser and vaporizes them both. <laughs> Chapel starts crying. You know, it's hard to find out the love of your life died, then turn yourself into a robot and see the robot died. Yeah. Rough times. Spock shows up and asks Kirk and Chapel if they're okay, then asks about Corby. Kirk answers that Corby was never there. But, so going back to Chapel, now since Corby died, that now she we, can go for Spock. She can go for Spock. <laughs> back on the bridge of the Enterprise, Chapel says to Kirk, quote, Thank you for letting me make the decision, Captain. I'm quite certain I'm doing the right thing. Then Kirk tells Spock, she's staying with the ship. Are you implying that Chapel was only on the ship to find Corby? Because that makes absolutely no sense, especially considering her first episode, she was in love with Spock. <laughs> Anyways, we get a classic Kirk-Spock moment. Something bothering you, Mrs. Spock? Frankly, I was rather dismayed by your use of the term half-breed, Captain. You must admit, it is an unsophisticated expression. I'll remember that, Mr. Spock. The next time I find myself in a similar situation. Kirk gives an order to the helm, and that is the end of the episode. Woo! Now let's go to the... <coughs> Redshirt death count. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It should be cheering. Woo! <laughs> This week we lost two red shirts, which means in total we've lost two, Five. two base shirts, four blue shirts, two gold shirts, one hazard vest guy, 
two red shirts, and a total of 11 crewmen. And we do count the base shirts as red shirts, so we now have four red shirts on the board. Anything to say? No. Uh, we do have five red shirts. It should be on the board. Four. Five. Hazard vest guy. Was not wearing a red shirt. Should be a red shirt. Well, yeah, they should have put him in a red shirt, but they didn't, so he's not a red shirt. Then the base shirt should be... Okay, they didn't have red shirts back then. We agreed to count the base shirts as the red shirts death because they didn't have red shirts, and they were operations division, so they were basically red shirts. Then Spock should be on the red shirt death count. Spock didn't die. Yeah, he did. Okay, you're going up to Rathacon. Yeah. And also yeah. his shirt was white. Talking about the Rathacon <laughs> for a second. How old is Spock? Um, not super old. Like, he's not like T'Pol old. He's like probably about as old as Kirk. So how old are, how old do Vulcans get? Like really old. Like they get in the hundreds. Yeah. Okay. So let's assume he's 40, 50 Rathacon era. Yeah, yeah, somewhere, probably somewhere around there, like 50s, maybe. Because he spent like 15 years or 10 years with Pike, 10, 15 years with Kirk. I'm going to assume like five years uh, in yeah, the Academy. because from like original series, from like Space Seed to Rathacon is 15 years. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, about 50 years. So, he dies. And his consciousness goes to Bones. Yes. Right? Yes. But then a re a new version of him is made on the Genesis prod planet, right? Yes. So it's a new version, like like you see him age up to adulthood. Yes. And then they implant his consciousness back into his body. Yes. So then his body's only like a year old. No. It's his body. Like it ages to like the age he was. Did they say that or did they yes. just say to adulthood? Yes. Especially Are... considering he's old. <laughs> but I mean, that's the actor getting old, not the character getting old. It ages to the point that he was when he died. And we don't know how old he actually ever ever was when he died yeah we do i mean i guess they show like, there's it. enough in canon that you can just do the math because you know he is a next generation yes in the later seasons yes but he ultimately dies in the whatever timeline yes and i guess it does show a dates a little bit yes but like i wonder how old he actually was like, Be you can do that math. Because if you think about it, he was reborn. I'm going with the reborn. <laughs> yeah. So he got 50 years taken off. No. Of his total. Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You're being dumb. And then, I mean, how do you even calculate it? Because he went to an alternate universe. <laughs> like, how do you calculate this stuff? And I mean. You just do. And how many times did he go back and forth in time? <laughs> what, like three, four times? Okay, so let's see. There was at least one time travel episode of original series. I think um, there's at least two. 
Because I think it's in season two, they go to World War Two era. No, that's just a different planet. Okay. Yeah, because they go back to like the sixties, like with the episode with that astronaut. Right. So there's one time travel. Uh, well, Voyage and, Home they time travel. Well, that and then they did uh, an episode that we've already reviewed. The three days, remember the three days back? That doesn't really count. The reverse warp or whatever, some <laughs> crap that is. Yeah. Okay, fine. If you want to count that. So then, how? And then, and that's just Spock. How are we going to count Kirk? Because he was in the Nexus. <laughs> like, how long was he in there? Seventy-eight years. Like, like we know that. <laughs> and but like, how old was he? old so I that's mean, also math you can do to figure out how old he was and then scotty he was in a transporter yeah for uh, what they say like a hundred years or something eh, not or, that long like a long time yes yeah, a long time yeah so all three of them your their ages are kind of hard to really guesstimate on i mean you just have to guesstimate not really i, I feel like there's enough canon you can just find the dates uh, and do the math yeah yeah talking about talking about the nexus event and kirk since we're going there i thought of something the other day okay uh picard they had picard's body in mm-hmm. the section 31 yeah deal they had kirk's body yeah how did they get kirk's body they probably just went to that planet and dug up that grave. It was just rocks. I know it was. <laughs> but like... Now the real question, what are they doing with Kirk's body? Yeah. <laughs> that we'll probably never know. They probably won't do anything with it. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway. Just do your dumb ranking so we can get this over with. <laughs> <laughs> they are not dumb, sir. They are very dumb. Okay, <laughs> on a scale of one Bailey to ten Baileys, one being the best and ten being the worst, I will rank this episode a seven Bailey. Okay. Do you agree with that? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. This episode wasn't great. It wasn't. Because that's sex robots and everything else. <laughs> it had one sex robot. <laughs> giant, giant penises and penis rocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. And in the grand scheme of things, I will designate this my eight hundred and seventy seventh favorite episode. Okay. Yeah, I'll be honest. I zoned out and I didn't hear what you said, but okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Join us next week when we talk about Dagger of the Mind. I promise it will actually be next week and not a month from now. I don't know how you're going to make that promise. I haven't seen it yet. Well, you know what? If you cancel on me again, I'll just find a guest. Okay. That, that works. I'll just start plugging in guests when you can't show up. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. You can find me ever at Couch Talks Movies. Tell the people where they can find you. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Commodore Moss, and you can find me at 
I think that's it. I think that's the only social that I kind of update. Okay. Um, also, I have some news. You remember I joined Starfleet a while back? <laughs> yes. So, talking about robotics, I, I took a bunch of robotics classes in Starfleet, in the Starfleet Academy, and a bunch of other classes and stuff. And guess what? I am now a certified chief science officer. <laughs> but, like Harry Kim, I will always be an instant, apparently. Because <laughs> even though I have taken enough classes and stuff to move up to at least the lieutenant junior grade i have not gotten a promotion <laughs> i think voyager's science officer was an ensign yeah his name was harry kim no harry was the operations officer oh i think ensign wildman was the science officer yeah 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 that's right yeah i mean yeah and she never got promoted either no one on that ship got promoted <laughs> Except for maybe seven. <laughs> yeah, the captain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, first officer and then captain. So Okay, if we're talking about after the show, then other people got promoted too. Like, Chakotay got promoted to captain. Did you know? Tom got promoted to a full lieutenant. <laughs> Did you? Well, I mean, he got demoted, promoted, demoted, promoted. <laughs> Not that many times. More times than Harry Kim ever got promoted. <laughs> Did you notice that, uh, so the Lower Decks episode with the Voyager, with Voyager in it, they had all the mannequins and their uniforms and everything? Yes. And all of the mannequins have their, like, ranks that they become. Like, yeah. even Janeway is an admiral rank mannequin. And Harry Kim is still an incident. I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, let's get back to closing the show. Okay. You can find the show at Tomorrow Trek Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. And you can find us at patreon.com slash tomorrow is yesterday. All right, and the merch store. You can find the Couch Podcast Network merch store at couchtheaters.com. It's a long story. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. I know what I'm getting everybody. And my family for Christmas. Oh, yeah? I'm just buying them stuff from our merch store. <laughs> and they could... Actually, I'm probably going to get the Mirror Universe vibes. <laughs> Hats, t-shirts, whatever. Because I think everybody needs a picture of my face on as, as an article of clothing. Your face with an eye patch on it. And I definitely think we need stickers. Okay, that I can do. Yes. That I can very easily do. Yes. I would buy every single sticker. And every time you talk, I'd stick a sticker on the back of your laptop over here. That's my wife's laptop. Don't uh, do whatever. that. <laughs> I'll put my face on the back of your wife's laptop. No, do this laptop. That one's mine. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Uh, live long and don't be a sex robot. Yeah.